0: I a teacher to speak. I think Thank you for joining me on another edition of the program. We are stacked today here on box to row. As a matter of fact, a little bit later on in the program, Norfolk state head men's basketball coach, Robert Jones going to join us. The Spartans are 12 and eight on the season coming off a big win over defending MIAC tournament champion, the Howard Bison. So Robert Jones is, Been doing this a while, I think 11 seasons. I believe it's 11 seasons as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State going to join us on the program. Also joining us today here on Box to Row, Tennessee State, 11-9 on the season. Right in the thick of things in terms of OVC play, Brian Penny Collins, the head men's basketball coach at Tennessee State, going to join us on the program. The Tigers have won Three straight basketball games. You look at this program, and I remember when uh, when Penny first, or Brian Penny Collins first got the job. Uh, it didn't go too well. Then the next season, the the Tigers were great, right? They they finished with a winning record. I don't remember the record, but but Brian Collins was named uh, co coach, co coach in terms of HBCU coach of the year. He shared it with. Oh man, I don't I don't remember. Uh, it, it could have either been um, Johnny Jones or Lavelle Moten. I, I don't remember exactly who it was, but he shared that honor. And then the next year it went right back down COVID year. Then he, he's built it back up. Sometimes things don't go the way you planned. It may start out great. Then it goes. Down. The question is, how do you regroup? Do you understand how to regroup? How do you change tactics? What kind of changes do you make? What kind of a different philosophies do you implement and to make it come back to where you would like for it to be or to where it was. And I think right now you're seeing Brian Penny Collins get things straight with the Tennessee state tiger basketball program. So he's also going to join us today here on the program conference championships in the national football league this Sunday and the matchup between the 49ers, okay, and the Lions. And then in the AFC, you're looking at Kansas City and you're looking at the Ravens. The, the, look, that Ravens-Kansas City game, I'm looking so much forward to that football game you've t- you're talking about over the last, I don't know, four or five years, arguably. I mean, when we think of Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he's he's... You know, you think of him as the best quarterback in the National Football League over the last, um, I mean, yeah, Aaron Rodgers going back several years, won what, Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back um, MVPs. But I mean, so let's put it like this, top three quarterbacks in the National Football League the last four or five years in terms of Patrick Mahomes and in terms uh, of Lamar Jackson, who remember his MVP season, the only, in believe, in the, in the history, of the National Football League, the only unanimous winner of the MVP award. And so this is sort of the matchup we've been looking towards, right? You see how the Ravens were able to get there. That was a pesky Texans Texans team, but the Ravens did what they had to do. Look, I picked the Bills. I thought this was gonna be the year for the Bills, over Kansas City, and it was a it was a really good football game. Went back and forth. It reminded me of the the football game we saw a couple of years ago between these two teams. I think the difference was in this football game. That fake punt that Kansas City tried. Yeah, I'm not going to say it cost them the game because if I, if I remember correctly, I don't think. I mean, excuse me. That the Bills tried in the fourth quarter. The Bills were down. Tried a fake punt. It didn't work. Kansas City got the football back. I, I'm not. I don't know if Kansas. I can't remember if Kansas City even scored. If it did, it didn't score a touchdown. I I, I can't remember. I don't think it hurt them as badly. But man, that field goal at the end, that uh, a 44-yard field goal in the kicker, right? He was nine for nine previously on field goal attempts. That, um, where, uh, Buffalo was within three points. Right, and so, I mean, and that was from 44 yards. It we're not talking about a 54-yard field goal. We're talking about 44 yards, and he couldn't get it done, and the Bills. I mean, it, they say it doesn't, and, and that's generally the philosophy. It doesn't come down to necessarily one play. It comes down to a couple of plays. I would argue the field goal miss was, was I mean, <laughs> Obviously, it was much bigger because it prevented the Bills from tying that football game. But, you know, the fake punt to me, nah, you know, but the field goal missed, that's pivotal. Like, when it's time for the kicker, okay, in this instance, to do the job that the kicker is paying. And I'm not, look, I'm not, I haven't kicked balls, hadn't played in the National Football League. i am I'm not saying that it's easy. All I'm saying is, That was a real chance for the Bills to win that game, for the Bills to finally get over the hump of the Chiefs. And it came down to that regardless of all of what didn't happen and what did happen that went well for the Bills or went against the Bills throughout the course of the football game. Those things happened. But when it was time for or was an opportunity, for the Chiefs to tie that football game, it did not happen, and the Chiefs fall, and the uh, Bills fall uh, in that football game. So the Bills have to wait another year. Look, I think, I think the Bill, I mean, it, the Bills to me were primed to beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs, you know, brought it on offensively. Like the, the like the Bills defense didn't show up a whole lot, right? The uh, the in the Bills offense was 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 a solid offense overall. Now it was an offense that did well in the first half, couldn't find its footing running the football in the second half as it did in the first. And m- maybe you can look at the Kansas City Chiefs defense kind of clamping down. Um, you know, I love look, I I love the way that the Bills utilize utilized the the, the talented quarterback situation because it is very it, you know, Josh Allen is a rare breed, right? A guy that not only can throw the football a ton, has a huge arm. I mean, he tried to hit somebody, was it Oh, Diggs. And see, there are so many different there's so many different um things that happen in a course of a game. Now, I listened to in the off season, right? Diggs wasn't happy, okay? Um he expressed his frustrations. He expressed that he wasn't happy. The Bills almost had to really, as an organization, placate two digs, right, with Josh Allen even coming out and saying that some of the responsibility fell on him, maybe not getting him the football, whatever the case may be. And if you look throughout the course of the year, at least, you know, I didn't watch the Bills play in every game, but I watched – quite a few games with the Bills and kind of kept up with what was happening with the Bills and Diggs, for whatever reason, this wasn't a great season for Diggs overall. Now, maybe part of that is because teams double team, he's such a, he's such, he's, he's a, he's a great wide receiver. And maybe because he is that great teams decided to double team him a lot, whatever the case may have been. Okay. And maybe that happened in the chiefs game. But what I do know is that Allen, on a play that the Bills had to have, one-on-one coverage with Diggs, he dropped the football. Now it wasn't the it wasn't like Diggs was running and the ball was to fall right into his arms as he's in stride. Okay, but it, it was a catch that not only a National Football League player should have made, and and not just any National Football League player, but one of the preeminent, as we consider, one of the preeminent wide receivers in the National Football League. It's a play that a college player would have been expected to make, and it's a play that a high school player, I think, in my opinion, would have been expected to make. Yet Diggs drops the football. So, yeah, the field, and and it is true, although in that moment, When the Bills needed the field goal, they couldn't get it. That said, that was a huge play in the football game as well. So those are three plays in the game that I look at as to why the Bills lost that football game. You look at the 49ers and Green Bay. I mean, what did you expect? You knew the 49ers were going to win that football game. And it wasn't, I mean, you know, Green Bay came to play for as well as it could play. But just the sheer talent of the 49ers was too much for the Packers. To overcome, okay, um, and the Lions. So that's the other game. The Li- I, I actually, I actually thought that I, I picked Tampa in that game. I did pick Tampa in that game. Um, I thought that the Lions were the better football team, which is something about the way that Tampa had been playing, especially down the stretch. It was part, and part of my reason for picking Tampa Bay was also because of the way that Tampa Bay handled the Eagles. Now, I realize the Eagles are in, in a mess right now. I really, it's still a mess. And I don't know how Sirianni's gonna fix that as the head coach, but it's not it's not pretty, right? But I, I thought that, and it didn't happen. Look, the Lions are a good football team, a really, really good football team. Now, do I think that the Lions are gonna win this football game against the um, 49ers? No, I don't think they will, you know? um uh, but the lions are are uh, look the lions the lions hadn't been in an NFC championship game since 1991 right so the lions are getting it done and uh, you got to give uh, the lions a lot of credit um uh, going up against the 49ers i think the 49ers win that football game um i'll i'll let you know i'll give you my prediction on the chiefs and the ravens Still to come here on Box to Row. And thank you once again for making Box to Row a part of your day. Those listening to us on Sirius XM channels 142 and 84. Those listen that listen to us on our affiliates around the country. And, and then, of course, those that listen at row.com. Still to come here on the program. Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones going to join us next. And still to come, Tennessee State head men's basketball coach Brian Penny Collins.
1: More of Box to Row with Donald Ware is on the way.
0: Hey there, fellow travelers. It's me, the Hotel Wiz. Before you go anywhere, call me day or night for hotel rates too low to publish. I'll save you up to 75% on over 500,000 hotels across the globe. You see, I've already done the research, so you don't have to spend time online trying to find the best deal. That's up to 75% off. Just call me, the Hotel Wiz. It's a free call, and you get instant access to rates too low to publish with no cancellation fees. Make a free call now and save up to 75% off your hotel rooms the next time you're going somewhere for business or pleasure. Call the Hotel Wiz now and get instant access to rates too low to publish. 800-811-3471 800-811-3471 800-811-3471 800-811-3471 800-811-3471 800-811-3471 Call the Hotel Whiz right now for rates too low to publish at 800-811-3471
1: On last week's From the Press Box to Press row with Donald Ware
0: The Browns had the ball flacco inexplicably throws the ball in the air. I don't know if he's trying to throw it away. The Texans intercept it. Browns get it back. The next possession, fourth and two, they're going for it. He telegraphs a slant pass, and it gets return for a pick six. He could play well for a moment. I think he's a good backup. If you need somebody in a pinch, somebody that's got experience, somebody that's won a Super Bowl, he may be your guy in a pinch as a backup. As a starting quarterback, forget about it. He's done.
1: From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's From the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the
0: Press Box to Press Row. Box
1: to box to box to box to. to
0: Here on Box to Row, Tennessee State head men's basketball coach Penny Collins gonna join us. The Tigers are eleven and nine on the season, four and three in OVC play. And tell you what, it's been a big rebound for the Tigers. As a matter of fact, over the last couple of years, a winning record last year, and so Penny Collins or Brian Penny Collins the head men's basketball coach at Tennessee state going to join us on the program. We are uh, momentarily going to be joined by Norfolk state head men's basketball coach, Robert Jones here on the program. Look was talking of some NFL in the last segment. We've got some games that we're looking forward to this weekend. I told you, I was going to give you my pick between the Ravens and the chiefs. I, 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 I went against the chiefs last week. Um, Look, this is a much better, this Ravens team is uh, better uh, than are the Bills, and I think matchups-wise. I, I like Lamar Jackson. I like where he is. I like the weapons he has. Plus, I like the fact that the, uh, the Ravens have a pretty good defense. So I am going with the Ravens over the Chiefs. We're going to keep things moving here on Box to Row, joined by a gentleman in his 11th. Season as the Hitmen's basketball coach at Norfolk State, the Spartans winners of their last two ball games, and as a matter of fact, on Saturday going to be at home taking on Coppin State. Robert Jones, again the Hitmen's basketball coach of the Spartans, joins us here on the program. Haven't seen you, hadn't talked to you in the new year. Happy New Year, Coach Jones. What's going on?
1: Happy New Year to you too, brother. Uh, everything is going all right, man. Uh, no, no complaints really.
0: Yeah, and you know it's you're always in the mix, right? You you may have lost the conference game, it, it, but look, it's the up and downs of the conference. You've won two straight games, as a matter of fact, beating Howard, the defending champs, uh, on on this past Saturday. Your thoughts in terms of how your team has played to this point? You're twelve and eight on the season.
1: Uh, I think we played pretty well. I mean, we have the uh, best overall record in the MIAC. You know, we've had a tough non-conference schedules like most of the MEAC teams do have, but we've been fortunate enough to get some good quality wins. And, you know, I know, uh, you know, the VCUs and Illinois States and South Dakota State was a really, really quality win because they, they they picked to win their league. And, uh, you know, a couple other um, wins we've got, William & Mary, things like that. So I think that um, uh, we've had a good non-conference slate and now, you know, trying to get into this dogfight they call the MEAC conference, and hopefully we can come out on top of, of, of that as well.
0: Yeah, VCU right up the road from you. I mean, that's a really, really good win as well. Tell me, speak to me about the win, your last win against Howard. They're the defending uh, tournament champs. They beat you in the championship, in the MIAC champ tournament championship game on last year. Your thoughts on that victory over Howard this past Saturday?
1: I just showed a lot of guts that the team had because, um, uh, you know, people see the the, the article. And they're like, OK, you came back down from 15 and won the game. But actually, it was like two times we came back. We came back from 15, cut to three, and then it actually went back up to 11. And then we cut it again, you know, down to win the game. So it was like we almost had two double-digit comebacks in one half, you know, to win that that uh, basketball game. So, you know, it was a credit to, to these guys. And like, just like, you know, yeah, we're 20 games into the season right now, but every game with a team that got eight new players is a game that's a new experience, you know. So it's like we're still learning and growing as a team. You know, there's no finished product by any means. We still got 11 games and hopefully another three in the scope to try to, you know, get to a finished product. But, um, and even then, I guess, you know, we're going to just be as best as we can be, you know? So um, it's definitely an experience that, you know, showing the guys that uh, something that we preach a lot that the game is never over until the buzzer sounds. But I think it really showed, you know, over the weekend that the game is never over. You know, like, yeah, you're up 15. Yeah, you're up 11. We know, up 11 with six minutes left, five minutes left, something like that. And the game was never over until that buzzer goes zero, zero, zero. So um, it just showed the guys that.
0: Yeah, in 11 years as the head men's coach, of course, you had been there, you know, as an assistant coach, some previous uh, assistant coach, some previous years, including that run uh, where you all knocked off Missouri in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, had you ever had eight new players? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Um, but the thing that's a little different, we, well, we had seven one time. Um, a couple of years ago, we had seven. Actually, year 2000, I think, 21, when we won the championship, I think we had seven new guys or something. But the thing is, it's a little different, though, is that there wasn't a lot of continuity from the year before with this group. You know, like with that group, we still had like Joe Bryant returning. Uh, we had like the kid Devontae Carter return that year. So, like, it was some guys, some like pillars to really hold the fort down and show the new guys the way. With us this year has been like, um, yeah, we got, um, you know, I think we had seven returnees. I think, or maybe we, we might have eight returnees as well. But it's like those guys um, weren't the the star power. Like they were kind of like the guys that were like on the bench, the role players. Some had very very limited roles. So really, with eight new guys and those eight guys, everybody's been thrusting into a whole new role um, this season. So um, it's been totally different in in that regard with the with the players.
0: Robert Jones again in his 11th season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State as he joins us here on Box to Row. Look, Coach Jones, I hadn't had a chance to talk with you. I got to take you back to December 9th, about a month and a half ago at Illinois State. Very unfortunate circumstances, a situation that happened. Your guys won the game. There was some racial epithets hurled at your players. Um, can you tell? Can you take us through... What happened, and if there was in fact any resolution in your mind? Um, the resolution was that
1: we just, you know, kind of just moved past it. You know, really, it was no like um, super resolution that was that was done. You know, I know they said they was doing an investigation about um, what happened, and and, they, and and to their credit, they, they, you know, someone from the administration actually did reach out to us like a week ago. Um, you know, but, but my thing is that. At this point, man, that's six weeks ago. You know, it's like, what investigation are you really doing at this point? You know, like, and and if you are, and, and and they probably all wanted to do one, you know, so I can't say that that they didn't want to do one, but it's like, what is it going to do? You know, at this point, you know, so um, you know, I think that they identified the two gentlemen that that uh, that 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 said the thing. So hopefully, those guys are banned from Illinois State games. Uh, hopefully, they, they you know they actually did that. I don't know for sure or not. But uh, I know those two, two guys have been identified. But uh, yeah, it was an unfortunate situation. Um, hopefully, it doesn't happen to us again. You know, anytime soon. Um, and, and hopefully, it doesn't happen to any other team anytime soon as well.
0: Yeah, no, it's an unfortunate situation. Last thought on that. I believe after afterwards, you mentioned that you know it was you, you, the coach didn't didn't make note of it. Um, you, I think you mentioned. You correct me if I'm wrong that you had not, really nothing to say to him. You, you you really weren't going to speak to him any further. Do you still stand by that? In other words, was there a situation maybe that he wasn't aware? I'm just asking. I wasn't there. That he wasn't aware of actually what had happened.
1: Oh, it, it could have been. I mean, he could have not been uh, aware. But once I tell you what happened, you know, like, and so You if, if you say that you didn't hear me, uh, during the half court exchange, you know, because maybe tempers are flaring, you know, you you feel whatever you feel in that moment. I'm trying to explain something to you. You don't want to hear it. Maybe at that point, you know, I get it. You know, we've all been in, I guess, arguments or or, or fights or whatever the case is at some point in your life that you don't want to hear what the other party has to say. But then on the handshake line, when, when things were a little calmer and, I, and I'm and i telling you, you know, what happened, I'm, I'm giving you play by play. Of what, because you can see the exchange that we had, you know, on, a, on the handshake line, like we're talking, like it wasn't as heated as the half court thing, but we're sitting there talking for like a good two minutes, you know, about like what happened, and I'm telling you, hey man, this is what happened, you know. Now that you know, now that's the time to make things right, because if you didn't know, okay, let's say you didn't know, that's cool, you know, you didn't know your flayed temper, temper was going, you, you know, you riled up. You know, you, you know, they were losing the game, so everybody's fired up. You know what I'm saying? I, I get it. <clears throat> but at the same time, now that, you know, you had a chance, like I said before, <clears throat> to come around to the locker room and say, hey, man, we apologize. You know, you know clearly, you know, you didn't do it, but you still, as the man in charge, you know, you kind of still apologize on, on behalf of everybody, you know what I mean? And then you had a chance at your press conference to do it too, and you just went a different route. So that's why it's um, – more that I don't have that much to say to him or anything to say to him because um like you know once again you know if you didn't hear me the first time that's fine you didn't hear me all right we'll take that for what it's worth but you heard me the second and third time when I when we were just talking you know
0: yeah no doubt about it let's let's talk personnel like you've got some guys that are really that are really scoring the basketball can I start with Jamari Thomas 17 and a half points per game talk about his play i mean he's shooting 39% from three point range 84% from the field I mean if, if you know you've had some some good players and 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 you know he, you've had some really good players to come through Joe Thomas being y- really your more recent really really good player this guy's playing some good basketball for you yeah
1: yeah yeah and people could play compare him and Joe Bryant all all the time um about you know um you know who does what who's better you know things like that because Joe is the guy that just just left here and uh, you know, two-time Player of the Year, and Jamari Thomas. Jamari uh, th- Thomas's um, stats are very similar to Joe Bryant's stats. You know, I think they're just different players, but right? They just did things differently. Like you know, Joe is like was a real smooth basketball player. He had like almost like an old man's game, but it was real smooth. You know, and he, and he could get a bucket at any point, and Jamari could get a bucket too. But it's just like more like a perky jerky stop and go. Um, he's more athletic than Joe, but it's like he might not be as smooth as Joe was. Um, but he but he, he draws he draws fouls and you know does things like that and like I always say man I don't care if, you know you could be real smooth like Joe or you could be like a you know a foul drawer like Jamari you know if the production is the same the production is the same I'll take it either way you know so um, he's he's coming and he's done a great job of like
0: filling those uh, Joe Bryant shoes which is you know tough to fill hold the line for me one second we're talking with Norfolk State head Men's basketball coach Robert Jones here on Box to Row. The conversation with Coach Jones continues on the other side after this small pause for the cause. This is Box to Row. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant.
2: I'm excited I get to play for They support us in everything
0: we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. Michael B. Jordan. And, and, I, and I think it's a testament to, you know, what HBCUs mean to people you know, and and, and having that community and culture and shining a light on the universities, you know what I'm saying, in a real way, and creating a pipeline from these kids in high school and making them feel good about wanting to land at HBCU. We have high, you know, high, high talent, um, and often it's gone and shipped out to other places. It's never poured back into the community. So if we can create an environment that's cool and a beacon of light and people want to feel like they want to be here, and so putting it on the national stage is really big. You know, most of the time these kids don't get televised games, you know what I'm saying, so be able to put them on Turner in a real way is really, really important. Um, and. and and then the brands and then the sponsors, you know what I'm saying? And getting, you know, the NBA, you know, scouts and looks to come in and hopefully like build this thing bigger. The one and only Stephen A. Smith. It's my sincere hope that when my ride ends, I'll get a big hug and a big thank you for what I tried to do for other people when I was at the top. Because That's all you have to lean on at the end of the day, bro. I mean, I I plan on being successful for years to come, but it ain't gonna last forever. And you know, when my day comes, when when it's the end of the road and it's time for somebody else to be in my seat, in my chair, you know, it's my hope that whoever though, that person or those people are people that knew I cared about them and believed in them to help them get to this place. Hey, Spike Lee. Thank you, I haven't heard that. I mean, I've been on rails all over the nation. Thank you for that question. I'm a third generation Morehouse man. I was taught to speak your truth and that there's very special about being a Morehouse man, the same way you feel about your school, the same way we feel all about our respective historic black colleges. That would have been my first choice. Anyway, and I'm proud to be a Morehouse man. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused. Just really, you know, excited. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to
1: talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you get to your- <laughs> Man, you know what is good.
2: And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love,
0: man. So thank you. I appreciate you. So we're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi State University? <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And that brought awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Dave Roberts, manager of the LA Dodgers, to be person of color and be the manager of the Dodgers? What does that mean
2: to you? I think the first thing that comes to me is responsibility. With recency and kind of the social, the racial issues that we're having that really come to light, which is I believe are good things. I think that it's a responsibility for me to be the first manager of color for the Dodgers. There's not many of us in baseball. To do things the right way, to hopefully give other people of color opportunity, hopefully it just paves the way. So I think that for me, I, I definitely look at it as responsibility. But something I'm willing to undertake.
0: Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. You, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school.
2: We have over 50 kids that have gone to division one.
0: NBA all-star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to one Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again, and just having a up close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Mellogs. It was exciting I'm grateful for those guys coming out. Kyrie Irving, playing a Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now?
2: Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you no know, big package for you to become a better player but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in the first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is
0: an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little Music,
2: movies, and sports, hey, my favorite three topics. Hey, y'all. It is the EST of WWE, the strongest, the fastest, the roughest, the toughest, the quickest, the greatest, the best on box to row
1: From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at Box2Row.com.
0: That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant radio we're talking with Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones here on Throw as we continue the conversation. On the other side, Coach Jones, we were talking about some of those really good players that you had coming through the personnel you have right now. And of course, you look at a guy like a Joe Bryant from last year. You look at a guy like a Pendarvis Williams. You've really had some really good players to come through that program. Um, the, the, before I even talk about Coppin State, the Miac, eight teams in the MEAC, um, you know, tough competition. Um, you guys were right there last year, as I mentioned, with Howard and so forth. You know, just your thoughts. You've been in the MEAC now as a head coach now 11 years. Your thoughts maybe as to where the Miac is competition-wise. Um, I think uh, the MEAC is probably tougher
1: now. Um, And, and people might not understand that. You know, but because it's like okay, it's, it's less teams or whatever the case is. So yeah, your odds of winning a championship has increased. You know that that that's that's a fact. That's just regular math, right? Um, But it's like the teams are like better now. You know, like I think some of the the teams before there was some fluff a little bit. Now, granted, you lose a team like Hampton A and T, which was traditionally good. You know, I think that, like, fam, you was up and down, but it was, you know, good. But Thune was just, you know, okay here and there and stuff like that. But, but you you know, I think that it, when it was 13 teams, for real, I don't know why it was like that. It's like that 12th, 13th seed really wasn't any good. You know, you know, you can almost chalk up some victories against those 11th, 12th, 13th teams, you know. But now with eight teams, it's like everybody's good, man. It's like, you know, you can't – like the guys we're them today, yeah, Coppin is 2 and fifteen. You know, but yet in the I in play, I think they, they, you know, their average margin of victory or, or loss, I should say, because they, they're thinking of one and two or one and three or whatever, is that, you know, it's like a four-point game, two-point game, five-point game, you know, stuff like that in conference play because everybody plays different schedules. You know, a team like Coppin plays like almost like a million dollars worth of guarantees, you know. It's, it's probably going to be hard for many teams in the country to have an over 500 record playing a million dollars worth of guarantee games, you know, so – uh, you can't even look at the two and fifteen. You almost take that throw it out the window, and you just look at like the one and two, you know, that they are in conference or one and three or whatever it might be. You look at at that stuff, and and you know they're going to be a solid team. So you know, okay, so you've got that. Yeah, technically a two and fifteen team is actually pretty a pretty solid team, you know, like in in the conference play. And then of course you got your trad- traditional powers like us, um, Central, you know Howard. Of course, you know, um, you know Morgan is always knocking on the door. And then Eastern Shore made a a jump last year. Dell State is shocking everybody this year. You know, and I actually called that earlier um, to, like, colleagues. I said that Dell State was going to be better. One, because people look at, okay, Howard was the defending champ. We were the runner-ups. We got this guy. We got this guy. Dell State had the most returning guys out of anybody in the league. So they had the most continuity out of anybody in the league. You know, look at the teams last year. We lost four out of our top five scorers. You know, we're actually lucky to be in the position that we in, you know, thanks to I guess we got some good guys recruiting, you know, four of the top five scorers. You got um Central lost a lot of people, Howard lost a whole bunch of people, you know. So it's like so Dell State had the most guys
0: returning. Yeah, no doubt. Um let me your schedule, like like you don't you mentioned Coppin State maybe close to a million dollars in in guarantees. Um Speak to your schedule. You have a a, a nice schedule, a, a good mix, right? Like I said, maybe the the Power Five that you have on the schedule is Tennessee, but kind yeah. of speak to how you schedule, how you made out your schedule this year. Not a doesn't seem like a whole lot of guarantee games.
1: Yeah, I mean for us, uh, it's, it's more guarantee games than people think. You know, some of those games on there were guarantee games. We were just fortunate to win. You know, so uh, like BCU was our biggest guarantee game. They they gave us eighty five thousand dollars. You know, like, just because it was up the road, like, they, that still was a guarantee game, our biggest one. They gave us more than Tennessee gave us. You know, like, Tennessee was 80000 even though Tennessee is, you know, clearly the better team. But BCU was our biggest financial guarantee game, you know? Um, so, like, Illinois State was a guarantee game. You know, that was a $70,000 guarantee game. Uh, even though we lost, you know, Stony Brook was a guarantee game. That was $35,000 guarantee game, you know? So, like... And and I know I'm missing a couple, so one or two more. Wichita State was like an 85000 eighty thousand dollar guarantee game, you know. So with us, yeah, we're in a different financial space that we don't have to do a million dollars worth of guarantees, you know, and stuff like that. Like you know, we our number is way lower than that. Um, but you know, it's still around that three hundred thousand range that we have to to bring in. But once again, that makes a huge difference because seven hundred thousand in guarantees is like another eight nine games that you're probably going to lose, you know. So we play our guarantee games. And then that eight or nine games that other teams like Coppin will probably lose. Now we can schedule like opponents. We can schedule your William and Mary's. We can schedule the, the Hamptons. We can schedule uh, teams like that, that now we can go out and now compete. We go to, we can go to paradise jam, you know, and, and play this golf coast and those guys, stuff like that. So now we can, you know, we can take advantage of that and beat some of these mid majors to get us the record that we, that we have and, and, and the, the rankings and, you know, like we're like, 60, 70 points ahead of everybody in like net rank, NCAA net rankings and things like that because of beating VCU, because of beating Illinois State, because of beating William & Mary, you know, those guys like that. But other teams in our league don't get that same opportunity because they have to play, you know, all these guarantee games.
0: Does this team, where it sits, a couple more thoughts, Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State. Again, the season's not complete. You're 20 games in, a little bit more than halfway through the season, if you will, you still have yeah. a tournament and po- possibly some basketball after the tournament. So, about halfway, we'll say about halfway. Yeah. Does this team, where it sits, remind you of any of your previous, you know, 11 years as the head coach? 10 years, I should say? Uh, Not not really.
1: You know, I think this team that I have, we might not have, it's like, a lot of times my teams are like top heavy. We're like, we got, like, really, like, we got three, you know, usually got three or four, like, really good players, you know, that gonna to have the to, you know you are gonna have to deal with those three or four players all night, right? But for us, I think that we got like, yeah, Jamari and Alan Bitrand kinda of shoulder some of the scoring load for us. But it's hard for teams just to take away just those two guys and expect us to struggle because now you got I think we had like six guys, that's or six maybe seven guys between like six and nine points, you know, something like that. So it's like this depth of this team is way better than some of my other teams, like I could literally go ten guys, a ten man rotation easily. I could probably go an eleven man rotation easily, you know. Now, granted, you know everybody might not be happy because you're not gonna play that many minutes, but it's like, like um, I could easily do that, and and we wouldn't have like that much drop off at all. So it doesn't really remind me of a lot of my other teams because, like I said, like even last year, you know, we have four double-digit scorers, but then you after that, you saw it was like the next guy was like four points a game, you know. And so it was like we have four guys that's really shoulder like all the, the scoring and then it's like, you know, different, you know what I'm saying?
0: So. Yeah. Last thought, Coppin state, you mentioned them, um, not where their record record would indicate they are your thoughts on the Eagles.
1: I have I mean, exactly what I said, man. I think they're you know, better team than two or 15, you know, um, you know, I think their record is deceiving. You know, I know a lot of people might think I'm crazy when they, when they look at this or see this or hear this or whatever the case is. But, um, you know everybody's schedule is different. I'm gonna keep re- reiterating that, man. Everybody's schedule is 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 different. You know, Coach Stewart's schedule, what he has to do for his institution and is, is, is his athletic program is totally different than what I got to do. You know, we in we in two two different financial spaces. You know, and and that's stuff that people don't fully um under, understand. So I do think that they play extremely hard. You know, they're tough. You know, uh, but it's like with them—they have their brand. I mean, they almost restarting the program. You know, after you know the, the previous coach is not there anymore, it's all new guys. They're restarting the program, putting in their own culture, their own system. So um, year one sometimes is always a tough year. Uh, so this is a team that we cannot like just look past. Right? We we can't just say, oh, they're two and fifteen, we're twelve and eight. You know, this is this is an easy one. Nah, the reason why you are all in the same conference is because you're you're, you're like. You know this is why we're not in the Big East cuz we're not like none of the teams of the Big East. You know like we're all in the MEAC we're a like team. So if you're in a like opponent that's always a 50-50 game. So we got to be ready to play. Um if it's going to feel good to be home. I tell you that much. You know, we got our next uh, I think five out of six at home which is feels great because we were the only team in the MEAC to play our first three games on the road. So to come out with a 2-1 record being the only team to play three games on the road uh and we actually, you know, as you know, probably could have been 3-0. Oh, you know, the ball would have bounced a different way for us at Central then um, that, that's going to hopefully bode well for us with five out of six at home.
0: I, I said last thought, but I, I really mean it this time because I think what's interesting is, you know, uh, all the teams had a 12-day gap. Um, you chose to play a game uh, against uh, VUL, which to, which yep. to, kind of to your point about the money games, now it allows for you to give a little money to play a game like that. How much did that help you, A, overall, and B, going into the Howard game? I think it helped us a lot because
1: it, it kept a game rhythm, right? You know, like practice is practice, and I think also at this at this stage when you're in late January, about to hit February, you know the kids won't tell you, but they're probably tired of practicing to a certain extent. You know, you want to try to keep the guys going and try to tell them that we got to keep going and keep getting better, keep sharpening. But you know, these kids, I was a player at one point. You know, like you want to you want to play these games, right? So to have these twelve games, I think it was going to be a ten day break or eleven day break if we didn't put that game in um that would have been torture for some of these kids you know so what we did was we said okay we're going to play this VUL. we knew that that probably wasn't going to be a um, a challenging game from a physical standpoint but a mental standpoint you know can we play the same way and keep our freshness you know with our mind against a basically a lesser opponent right and also play under the whistle play in front of fans because it was actually a pretty good crowd there play in front of fans so you got that drilling in you know that drilling feel going just to keep a game Feel going because we knew uh, Howard was going to be a hostile environment regardless. Everybody was making it out to be this rematch from last year and, and things like that. And and of course, they, they always get a pretty good crowd anyway. Um, the thing I told my guys that this is a rematch of nothing because a rematch is like boxing, right? So, me and you I have you know, you take the heavyweight title from me, you know, you know, I, I get a rematch, I beat you, I get the title back. That, that's a rematch, right? You know, it's like I get it back, like us winning that game the other day, you know. That did nothing but just give us two wins in me at like we didn't get the title back. Right. You know, so it's kind of hard to say, and they lost so many guys from that team. We lost so many guys from our team that probably these two teams are probably thinking like, what the hell is going on? why is such a heated game? Because they they just here to play. Like it's you know, you got like Seth Towns and those guys on the other team. They just they just got here. I got Jamar and these guys, they just got here. No one talking. No one knows the hell. Everybody talking about, about a rematch. Like you know, like you know, like I, so I told. I told the guys pretty much exactly what I told you. Like, hey man, this is not a rematch, man. Like we didn't. Yeah, we beat him, but we didn't get the title back. You know, we got to get the title back in March. You know what I mean? Like if if it comes to that point that we see them for the champ, me at championship game, yes, that will be a rematch because now it's like almost like you getting you getting you get a chance to get your lick back. You know a little bit. You know, but you but that game wasn't a rematch, man. Like that was too much was made of that whole rematch thing. Yeah, it's, like, it's not even close uh, to be a rematch of anything.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm curious. How much do you give UL VUL for for coming to see you? I think we give three thousand. I think. Oh wow. Okay.
1: I think maybe thirty five hundred, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Like you know, we can't we can't afford to pay eighty five thousand anybody, but anybody. <laughs> real. But but division division two teams once again, their budgets are different, right? So thirty five hundred dollars to to a division one team like us or anybody else. Might that make that much of a dent in the budget? You know, like, what is that? I mean, that's that's a, like probably meals on the road for like a week. You know, it's, it's like, I don't really do anything. But for a Division Two, II, Division Three team, or whatever the case is, I, I'm not quite sure exactly what Division they in. But it's like, I played Division Three basketball. You know, so I know that thirty five hundred dollars would have made a dent. In, in my program that I played in. So that's why you see VUL. I think VUL, I think they had played, if I'm not mistaken, like 10 Division I games. So right, right. they probably got up to, you know, 35, 45,000, depending on how much people are paying them, you know. And
0: I'm sure that, that 35, 45,000 made a difference in their budget this year. Yeah. Again, 11 seasons as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State is Robert Jones. His Spartans are 2 and 1 in MIAC, play 12 uh, and 8 overall. And the Spartans are at home. As a matter of fact, uh, Saturday against Cop and Monday against Morgan State, the Baltimore trip, as Robert Jones joins us here on Boxer Road. Coach Jones, look, man, appreciate you always keeping it real, as you do with us. Continued success to you and the Spartans. Thanks, brother. Appreciate that, man. Anytime, Coach Jones. Again, Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State, joining us today here on the program. The MEAC is going to be is tough once again, he's right. Delaware State right at the top. It may come down to a couple of teams. Brian Penny Collins, the head men's basketball coach at Tennessee State, is up next.
1: The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip, the
2: neighborhood original.
0: Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina, served in total wine all over North Carolina, all Weaver Street Markets, Harris Teeter, Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwellies, Saltbox, and Barica Soul.
2: Now back to
0: from the press box to press row with Don Ware. We're gonna keep things moving here on box to row. We're gonna be joined by a gentleman we haven't talked to in quite some time. He is the head men's basketball coach at Tennessee State. The Tigers eleven and nine on the season, four and three in OVC play. As a matter of fact, the Tigers winners of their last three ball games. And on Saturday, gonna be on the road taking on Eastern Illinois. Brian Penny Collins is in his sixth season as the head men's basketball coach at Tennessee State, and he joins us here on Box to Row. What's going on, Coach Collins?
2: Man, doing good. Glad to be here with you, my guy. Uh, Nashville weather has been crazy. It was snowing. We, had, we was seven days of snow last week, and Today is in the sixties. It's crazy, but uh, <laughs> other than that, you know, things are going well.
0: So eleven and nine, right on the yep. season, four and three in OBC play. You're right in the thick of things. Your thoughts in terms of how the season is going for the Tigers at this point?
2: Yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting season. You know, I, I, we came in with uh, with a, a lot of new guys this year with high expectations, and uh, I felt like we got off to a great start. We started off three and zero. Things were going well. And uh, like we literally play University of Oregon and we haven't had our whole team on the floor since the University of Oregon game. That was the last time. Uh, Not making any excuses. People going through injuries all over the country. But we lost our starting big man for seven weeks. Uh, We had our bag of big man out uh, for six weeks. We literally played with our third string big for like six weeks. Uh, We've been playing with our starting point guard for the last uh, two and a half weeks. So it's just been one of those. Weird situations where I I love to get our team, our whole team back on the floor and and be healthy. But since um, we are the return of our big man, uh, we're starting to get into a rhythm. We found a way to win three games in a row. And, you know, we just want to keep going from from where we are right now.
0: No doubt. I mean, let's talk about this Western Illinois game. It's an interesting game, especially coming um, down the stretch. Take us through the sequence. You're down by two. You get the layup with three seconds remaining. Western Illinois misses a three-pointer, you know, and and you ultimately preserve and and win that basketball game.
2: Yeah, uh, we were down. Yeah, down one. We were down one, taking the ball out of bounds, and you know, put the put the ball in our in our guard's hands, and let them go create a play off a off a pin down ball screen, and just to have the poise the whole game. Uh, Western Illinois is a great defensive team, and they were blocking our shots at three M all game, and uh, our our guard went up to the drove to the lane to go get the layup. The big came over, tried to block the shot, and he made the high high basketball IQ play and dropped it off to our big man for a layup. But, you know, they had three seconds to go, and they pushed it. And I I tell you, man, three seconds felt like 30 minutes. I mean, we (laughs) held our breath, you know, hoping this guy missed the shot. And they got a good look off, and uh, it just was was a little far to the left. And uh, we ended up getting a big win on the road against a team that was one of the hottest teams in the country on a nine-game winning streak.
0: You actually, if you look back to the last six games, you've won the last four of those games. But y- you know, you've had some some games where maybe you, you know you you had you know, maybe lost two here, lost two there. What has been the difference in the last three ball games?
2: Um, you know, it's interesting you say that. I really go back to five games ago when we played at Southern Indiana. Even though it was a tough loss on the road, you know, we go into that game, you know, trying to get in a rhythm on the road. Our starting point guard breaks. You know, he hurts his thumb uh, like two minutes into the game, you know, and it just was kind of devastating to us. And we got off to a um poor, like the worst basketball we probably played all year was the first 12 minutes of that half. And uh, we ended up climbing all the way back in that second half and, and lost by two. You know, it was just a heartbreaking loss. But I saw some – I saw something change in us the second half of the Sunday in the, in the end of the game, even though it was a loss. Well, the next game we go and play Moorhead State, who is – Coming off of NCAA tournament, I mean, you know, a regular season championship last year. They're one of the top teams in our league. We're playing them on the road. And um we we put ourselves in position to win that game. I think mean, it was a tie ball game with five, six minutes to go, and we ended up losing, ended up losing by eight, but it was really a one-possession game all the way down to the end. So even in the Moorhead State game on that, in that game, there was a turning of the page that I saw. I saw a new found just confidence and how we were playing, discipline on defense and doing the small things we've been talking about all year.
0: No doubt about it. Brian Penny Collins is in his sixth season as the head men's basketball coach at Tennessee State. He joins us here on Box to row Building, I want to talk with you about building this program. Tough first season, okay, 9-21, and 21, but then you come right back the 1920 season your name box row co-coach you know of the year if my memory serves me correctly uh, that particular year but then only four wins the next year but then you start to build the program back up 21 22 14 wins Two, last year 18 wins now you're you're in the position you're in right now with a winning record so that said you have a winning record the last three years overall record speak to mm-hmm. to, to to sort of building this program and in particular bouncing back from
2: that 2021 season, yeah, you know, we that's they just just destroyed every the world, you know, and uh, some college basketball teams and sports teams survived it. We were one of those programs that just didn't, you know, coming off the you know the nine win season to the 18 wins year where you, like you mentioned, uh, coach of the year, box the road. Then how do you go to a four win season after that? It just don't make sense. Well, uh, we had. Um, two starters, a transfer from Oregon State and a transfer from Georgia Tech, they opted out. They didn't even come and play that year. And then uh, my st- my best player, Carlos Marshall, who was all-conference the year before, he didn't even play that year. He ended up having hip surgery uh, right before the season started. And then we had three or four guys, scholarship guys, that caught COVID throughout the season who they would miss four or five games in a row. And our starting point guard, who ended up leading the OVC in scoring that year, he uh he missed like three four weeks, three weeks. My second lean score missed four weeks. It was just a crazy year with COVID and everything that we were dealing with. So when you when you add up all that stuff and you know having to, having to play walk-ons that year, like you said, we come back the next year. We win fourteen games with essentially twelve new guys on that roster. And then last year we were able to to get to eighteen. And and a lot of people don't know this uh the that um. Year that I won, that we won Box the Row, Coach of the Year, and we won 18 games. We got invited to the CIT and we were hosting the game at TSU. Everybody was excited, and COVID took that away from us. Well, the year we won 14 games, two years later, we got invited to the CIT again. But uh, when they told us we got invited while we were on spring break, so my guys weren't even here to, to take the bid. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then last year, we got invited again. the postseason and um just from a financial standpoint didn't make sense for us to go but we've had some some really good uh postseason opportunities that covid and bad timing has taken away from this team and i i really do feel like the where we are right now um in this where we are in this program and like you said we're building it We, we we took the hit had to start back over after covid I'm proud of where this program is, and we we could have had some postseason bids, uh, just unluck, just just unlucky a little bit. But you know, our main goal is to get this team to an OVC championship, get to the NCAA tournament, which TSU hasn't been to since the early '90s. So that's always the goal, and we're going to continue to push forward to try to get there.
0: Of course, the head men's basketball coach at Tennessee State is Brian Penny Collins, in his sixth season. He joins us here on. The program coach Collins, how have you been able to kind of navigate the whole transfer portal world in terms of retaining players going to get players to replace players that may have left to go to the portal? How, how have you been able to, you know, kind of navigate that?
2: It's different. It's a different world. Um, it's it's stressful. You know, that's why you see a lot of these legends getting out of the game now, especially when you, when you toss in the NIL. It's, it's really became the wild, wild west now. You know, it's, uh, you got to recruit all year long. Uh, in the spring, we got to you got to re-recruit your own team to try to get guys that you know to stay. With bigger programs try to come steal some of your guys, uh, but it's a revolving door. You know, you you can't get your feelings in it too much because if you lose a guy that you you know you've been cultivating and training them up and, and getting them stronger and getting them bigger, then they can go leave. Then uh, the good thing about the portal is that there's you can get somebody else from somebody else's program but uh you got to be careful though you know like every everything it's not always great you know so you've got to do a lot of research a lot of talking to coaches and and uh the people around the kid trying to get the right person in um and and a lot of coaches are going that way but we're not always right you know high school high school kids and juco kids are not, again this the raw end of the deal right now in recruiting because uh, because a lot of college coaches are going for the 22 year old that's got experience versus the 18 year old who you got to uh, wait maybe wait for them to develop and sometimes we're not always getting that right but at the end of the day it's 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 a it's a different world uh, the coaches that are able to be flexible and understand this new world are the ones that are going to last and you know I, I just feel like it, my juco background is really helping me in this you know having guys for one year and they're gone two years and they're gone like you gotta be able to get a group of guys into programming and, and get them to love each other quick and buy in quick you know that's the new great coaching uh check you got a feather you got to have in your hat the ability to be able to bring guys together quickly because you're going to have it's the new norm is you're going six to have six to eight new guys every year that's that's not ideal for uh, on this level because you want to continue to uh build guys and you know see that guy grow from year one to year two to year three to year four that's not always happening in this new generation
0: you've got seven guys that are averaging seven points or better per game four guys That are averaging in double figures, led by Christian Brown. Speak to the personnel. And that's a, to me, that's a good balance in terms of uh, a scoring where you're averaging uh, in excess of 75 points per game.
2: Yeah. um, And that comes from just, you know, really harping on the offensive end, not caring about who gets the credit, you know, sharing the ball, uh, having talented guys that believe in what we're trying to run offensively. And um, because that could be the gift and the curse. Sometimes you can have a bunch of guys averaging. You know that seven to, seven to 13 but no real alpha uh, or it could be the gift in terms of you know they're sharing the ball and nobody cares so for us right now it's been great um uh, i think it makes us dangerous um we got guys like currently ej bellinger and jalen jones ej's average our second leading scorer coming off the bench jalen jones is a potential guy who can win freshman of the year coming off the bench he's averaging double figures as a freshman
0: no doubt. And then your thoughts on the road this Saturday at Eastern Illinois, some of the challenges that Eastern Illinois present.
2: Yeah, the OVC is a frying pan. You know, every game is going to be tough, especially when you're going on the road. EIU is, you know, Marty is, does a great job with his team. Uh, I think they won nine games last year. They've already, you know, got got to that point already. Uh, I think this is his most talented team. Uh, they're deep. They're physical. We actually have one of their former players on our team, Kenyon Hodges. So it's going to be a little bit of a homecoming for him, but I'm excited about it. And we're going to do whatever we can to try to find a way to get four wins in a row.
0: No doubt. Speaking of uh, Hodges, one of your, your guys that is uh, one of the, um, the double figure scores for you. So I know that's going to be motivation uh, for him. Brian Penny Collins again in the sixth season as the head men's basketball coach at Tennessee state, joining us here on box to road. The Tigers again, 11 and nine, four and three in OVC play right in the thick of things. Coach Collins, great to catch up with you, man. Continued success in all you do.
2: Man, appreciate it. It's so good to see you again. It's been too long. Uh, anytime you call, you I'm always going to come on, man, and keep doing what you're doing too, man. We really
0: appreciate it. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Brian Collins, the Hitmen's basketball coach at Tennessee State, to Robert Jones, the Hitmen's basketball coach at Norfolk State, for joining us today here on the program. For more information on box to row log on to our website, box to row .com. And always remember to support those that support Yo Box Toro is produced by DW Communications. Look, I don't mean to frustrate.